How's everybody doing at 9 o'clock? All right, awesome, awesome. Man, it's good to see you guys here. Good to be here. My name is Greg Swords. I uh, just came on staff a couple of months ago uh, here at The Experience. Uh, Josh and Corey uh, are actually finishing up a trip in Uganda and should be back uh, sometime late tonight, I think, or early in the morning. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what time they get back, but they're, they're looking at an orphanage over there that we're looking at partnering with, and that's pretty cool. Instantly, a lot of you are like, well, that is definitely not Corey. For two reasons, like one, I'm not allergic to collared shirts. <laughs> but, uh, and, and I also, most of the time, wear shoes. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, my wife and I, Tammy and I have been here at The Experience for about uh, 18 months. Here's a picture of her. Um, instantly, many of you, yeah, right. That's, most of you are saying like, how did you end up with her? Listen, in July, it'll be 30 years, so it, when you meet her, when you meet her, d just don't tell her that, you know, that, man, Tammy, you could have done a whole lot better, because I've had her fooled for a long time now, and don't screw it up. So I, I think Corey, Corey and I met um, early on when, when Tammy and I start, started coming, and and uh, he, he knew my background, my ministry. I have a ministry background. I've been in the ministry for about 25 years um, at different churches in different ministry positions. The last church I was at was in Ottawa, Illinois, about an hour and 15 minutes outside of Chicago. Um, uh, but I think really the reason um, Corey started looking at me maybe to come on staff is because, frankly, he, I think they just needed an older guy. Um, he's like, he's... He, you know, he's like, are, are you over 50? I'm like, yeah. He goes, perfect. <laughs> so, no, that's not true. But, um, but uh, some, of what I, some of what I say today will be true. Um, but, um, so the reason that when my wife and I moved down here, we, we really, uh, we're at our last church, and we knew God was doing something, and he was definitely calling us to make a move um, down here. But... Uh, a couple of years ago, my, my, my daughter and my son-in-law have lived in Nashville for uh, five years or so. And my, both my sons moved to Nashville a couple months before we did. And, uh, but it wasn't really until uh, our daughter and son-in-law called Tammy and, and me, and they're like, we're pregnant, you know, and that's going to be our first grandchild. And it was really then that we felt God's call, you know, <laughs> to, to, to move down here, um, <clears throat> to be closer to our... Our, uh, our kids. Don't get me wrong, I love my kids. I have three wonderful kids, beautiful kids, but that is my grandson, and that's what got us down here, right? A lot of people were telling me, man, when you become a grandpa, it's just going to be so great, you know? And I was like, yeah, 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 but, you know, I didn't really get it until I became a grandpa, and it's like amazing. I, I do love it. Um, there's a lot more uh, to our story. Um, and I'd love to share it with you, but we'd be here most of the day, and I'm not going to do that to you. Um, but I will share a little bit. Uh, I became a Christian when I was a kid, seven, eight years old. I'm, I'm not sure. But it really wasn't in, until I was in my mid-20s that I really, um, really decided to start following Jesus, uh, that I, that I kind of surrendered to this, this uh, bit of transformation where he could make a difference in my life. And I'd heard all the Bible stories. Uh, I was raised in the church. I, I knew the Bible stories. I had all the Sunday school answers. Um, 
but it really wasn't doing it for me in my life. So it wasn't until uh, in my mid-20s that um, I really got serious about my relationship with Jesus. Um, and I want to talk about that this weekend. I want to talk about that today, about what it, what it should look like when we follow Jesus and, and how that call happens, how he calls us into relationship with us, um, with him. And um, So if this is your first time here, I want to just say welcome. We're really glad you're here. Uh, you picked a, picked a great weekend to be here. Um, but uh, And that's not because Corey's not here. Please. That came out wrong. <laughs> this is just a great church. I'm just saying. Um, typically, we go through a book of the Bible line by line and uh, verse by verse, and we've been going through the book of Acts. Uh, our lead pastor, Corey Trimble, has been taking us through the book of Acts, and, and, and today I, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, again, we typically go verse by verse, line by line, but Corey's not here. <laughs> so, funny story, I, I said that, I, and I said last night, so look, I said to them, both the five and the seven, I said, so I'm, if I'm not here next weekend, you know, like, it didn't go over so well. But the funny part is, is I'm going to be gone next weekend. <laughs> and I forgot that. Was, this is good. So you guys, like, if you see anybody who typically goes to the five and seven, like, yeah, Corey, just let him go. <laughs> We're going to dive into the scriptures a little bit. We're going to jump around. We're going to read three different stories about three different invitations to follow Jesus. But before that, let's pray together, all right? Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to just be here today and to worship together. Thank you for our worship team, God. The talents and gifts that you've given to them are just immense. We thank you for them surrendering those back to you, God, and helping us and leading us in worship today. Father, bless me as I speak. Help these to be your words, Jesus. Hide me behind your cross, O oh God, because I don't have anything to say, Jesus, but what you give me. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. So we're starting reading uh, this, this morning from the book of Matthew. Matthew was part of Jesus' ministry. He was one of the disciples of Jesus. Um, this this uh, really is the beginning of when Jesus began to tell others who he was. We're going to be reading. Look, if, if you have the app, if you don't have the app on your phone, you should get it right away because it has everything I'm going to say in there almost. Um, it has all the scriptures in there. Um, if you don't, maybe you have a bulletin. Um, that, that, that's fine too, um, but the app is really cool, and if you haven't downloaded it already, what are you doing? I don't know. Um, anyway, okay, Matthew 4. If you have your Bibles, you could use those too. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. As he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea since they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The next invitation I want us to look at is actually written in the book of Mark. Uh, Mark was with Peter. Uh, he was... Um, he went on a missionary journey with Paul, a couple missionary journeys with him. Uh, this is, again, one of the disciples of Christ. Uh, he followed him. He knew what he was. And this is, this is what he has written about an encounter. It's found in Mark 10, verses 17 through 21. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked God, Good teacher, 
What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good but one, God. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Then looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. This, uh, this same story is found in, in the book of Matthew, Matthew 19. Um, and I actually like the way, so, so the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all written accounts of, of Jesus' ministry. But they're all written from four different perspectives and four different people. And in Matthew 19, uh, the rich young ruler, the writer says, he says, I've done all these, what do I lack? What still do I lack? And I find that very interesting, and we'll talk about that uh, in just a minute. The next story we're going to look at is a conversation between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. First of all, Jews would not even associate with Samaritans. So the fact that Jesus meets with her, first first that he's meeting and talking to a Samaritan at all, that he's talking to a female Samaritan is just crazy. That's a little insane in that day. It'd be culturally unacceptable. All right, so this last story we're going to look at is John 4, 7 through 23. And this is a lot, so stick with me, okay? A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where are you going to get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You've correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I I see you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, yet you Jews say the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, We worship what we do know, because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. So the first thing I want us to recognize in each of these stories is that Jesus is calling them with a personal invitation. Jesus calls all of us to follow him in a very personal way. It's not all exactly the same. Jesus wants to meet us where we are. He wants to meet you this morning right where you are. Paul says in his first letter to Timothy that um, he doesn't want anyone to miss the opportunity to be saved. In fact, he says, we, we want that none should perish. But Jesus doesn't necessarily call us all the same way. To the first ones, the, the fishermen, he, he said simply, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. So it's personal, relational. He, 
he met them where they were. I mean, these were, these were fishermen. It's what they knew. It's what they knew. And they, they probably would have been some rough and tumble guys. I mean, they, these guys aren't, aren't afraid of much if they're fishing uh, on the seas. And we know that they can get rough at times. And they probably wouldn't have, have necessarily been the, the ones that you and I might have thought um, that he should have called because they're just really not the prestigious of the day. The second person is a rich young ruler. And I believe, like, Jesus gets right to the point with this guy. And I think he actually sets him up a little bit. It's funny because Jesus mentions the commandments, but he doesn't mention all of them. In fact, he skips the first three completely. I mean, what, what, what is he doing? But Jesus meets this guy right where he is because he, his issue wasn't the commandments. This guy, this guy is a rule follower. So he cuts to the heart of the issue, which for this guy are his things. And he tells him to sell everything he has because that's his issue. And then Jesus says, follow me. The third story we looked at was uh, a Samaritan woman. The first thing I want us to, to recognize is that Jesus sees her. First of all, he sees her as a person. She has value and worth. And why he's doing that is because we gather from this story that she was probably a social outcast, just, just by the time that she drew water from the well. It, ordinarily, she would have gone earlier in the day, but because she, she drew water when she did, she was probably a social outcast. Nobody would have drawn water from the well at that time. But he sees her and he offers her living water. But he doesn't offer her the same invitation as he does the, the fisherman. And he doesn't offer the same invitation as he does with the rich young ruler. Jesus gets right to the point and offers her living water. And the truth is, she, she really has no idea what he's talking about. I mean, she starts talking about the, the well because she has no context for moving between the physical and the sp spiritual realm. She doesn't know that Jesus is trying to offer her water instead for her physical thirst, for her spiritual thirst. And Jesus is trying to point that out to her. So she concedes, and he cuts to the chase. No more metaphors. He says, go get your husband. Man, Jesus has a way of cutting right to the heart of our issue, doesn't he? Those things that are important to us, those things that we think are important to us. And she says, I don't have a husband. He says, yeah, you're right, you've had five, and the one you're with now isn't even your husband. So he cuts instantly into her story. Three different people with different invitations. And Jesus, in every instance, gets very specific. It gets very personal, and he meets them exactly where they are. Man, I, I get really nervous um, just as a Christian when, when people start saying things like, well, you didn't pray a certain prayer, or you, you can't come to Jesus that way, and you know, that's not the way Jesus calls us into a relationship with him. And, and man, you know, Jesus doesn't use a cookie-cutter approach. He just doesn't do that. I know that Jesus is going to get very specific and very personal in your life when he speaks to you. He's going to speak to the heart of your issue. And in each of these conversations, Jesus met them where they were. That's how personal he is. With the fishermen, man, it's interesting because they just immediately left their nets. They just left their boats. No questions asked. They just followed him. 
But with the Samaritan woman, she had to finally understand that her way isn't working. I mean, it's just not working. She's tried it now six times. It's just not working. But how often do you and I, how often do we try to do things in our own power, in our own way? We just try the same thing over and over and over again, and we just keep getting the same result. I mean, that's the definition of insanity, is it not? To just keep doing things over and over the, the same way and expecting life change. And we, then we wonder, and you know, we, we shake our head and we're like, man, why, why, why is this happening to me? Why aren't things in my life changing? Listen, Jesus is going to meet you right where you are. He's going to point out your issue, and he's going to get specific. The second thing I learn is that when we follow him, it's going to be, it's going to be a new direction. It's, it's, going to, it's a matter of trust. I mean, we, just, we know instantly, I know even when I'm following somebody in my car, if I don't know where we're going, if I'm, if I'm following somebody to a destination, I'm trusting that they know where they're going. And Jesus is asking you and me to be countercultural in our relationship. Jesus makes the call in a personal way, and he gets very specific, but he's asking for life change. With the, with the fishermen, he's not really offering them a new vocation, and they can't continue to do things that they've done in the same way. This is not a, it's not a call to compartmentalize either. This is, not, this is not a weekend activity. Jesus doesn't just offer them a weekend response. Hey, guys, spend a couple days with me. Uh, let's, you know, let's burn a couple of vacation days. You know. No, Jesus is asking them for a life change. This is a lifestyle change. He's asking them to trust him as their leader. And if you read the rest of the story, and I didn't read the whole story of the rich young ruler, Jesus offers him life. He comes to Jesus seeking it. Listen, he knows something's missing. He came to him. He said, I, I've done all these things, but still there's something missing. I've kept all the commandments, but I still know I'm lacking something. And Jesus tells him, it's about trust. And if we'd have read the end of the story, it says, and he walks away sad. To the woman at the well, he offered her living water. I mean, she's used to placing her trust in relationship with men, I don't know, to find value or worth. Here's a woman who lived really, really far outside the cultural boundaries, even the religious boundaries of that day. I mean, a Maybe in today's culture, a string of five husbands isn't like completely out there, but in that day, man, it would have been unthinkable. And Jesus was asking her to step away from what she knew, from the things that she thought were going to bring her life value, joy, peace, contentment, offering her a new way of life with living water through a different relationship. But she was going to have to trust that he was who he said he was. And this is going to be a huge step for her. This is a huge step for you and me when we, when we turn our lives over to Christ because we have to walk away from what's the familiar, what, whatever is familiar and what we think we can put our trust in. And Jesus, Jesus is asking us to trust him, to step away from what's familiar, what we think is the right way to, to live our lives. Man, trust is, is a really difficult thing, especially when, when God doesn't do things the same way. You know, I, I told you a little bit of my story. We've been here for about 18 months, Tammy and I. What I didn't tell you 
is the move here was anything, anything but smooth. The last 18 months of my life and Tammy's life have been incredibly difficult. Very, very hard. And I have learned more about trust and what it means to trust God in the last 18 months than I would dare say 25 years in the ministry. You see, God had always done things the same way in our lives. When we got a call to another church, months, months before we got a call, we, we would start feeling like our ministry was changing and something was changing. We began to pray that way and, and God would open our eyes to some things and, and then we would understand like, and then he would open a door for another job or another church would call us and, and we'd pray about that. And sometimes we'd go and sometimes we didn't. Sometimes it wasn't the right thing, but, but God was always preparing the way and we could see that. But this last move, man, was anything but that. Now, in jest, I told you we got the call because our, our daughter was, was pregnant with our first grandson. But the truth is, we knew God was doing something. We just didn't know when. We didn't know the timetable, and we didn't know how. So we began to pray. We knew we were moving. And listen, I, even, even I'm sharp enough to know, this is what God would do. Even I'm sharp enough to know that when God sells your house without you even listing it, I mean, I can pick up on that. I mean, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but even I got that. So people at my last church were like, Greg, what are you doing? Where are you going? I mean, I was interviewing at churches down here. I mean, the churches that I interviewed at that wanted me, I didn't want anything to do with. The churches that I interviewed at that I really thought would be a good fit that I wanted to go to, God was slamming doors on that. I'm like, God, what am I going to do? So people would ask me all the time, they're like, what, Greg, what are you doing? What, what church are you going to? What ministry are you going to be part of? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, but here's what I do know. That God is putting this puzzle together. And he, he's going to finish this puzzle, and I'm going to see this great mosaic, this beautiful picture, and Tammy and I are going to be able to see where we're supposed to be and see where we're supposed to go, and we're going to step out in obedience and trust him, and we're going to walk that way. Man, doesn't that sound good? I mean, it sounds almost spiritual. I mean, it's really good. The problem is, one Saturday morning, Tammy and I were praying, and God spoke to me in my, in my spirit, my heart. He's never spoken to me audibly. I think it'd be really cool, but I also think it'd probably scare me to death. But God spoke in my spirit, and here's what he said. I'm not finishing the puzzle until you step out in faith. Greg, you're stepping out and trusting me first. Man, instantly I was like, what? We, okay, we have never done it that way before. And just for the record, we're not gonna start now. God, <laughs> in case you've forgotten, you always provide a job for me. You always provide a job for Tammy. You, you, have, you have never done, why are you changing this now? I'm so comfortable with the way we've always done it. But guys, could I submit to you this morning that it doesn't take a lot of trust when God is illuminating the entire path along the way. It doesn't take a lot of faith and trust in him when he sets the path before you and you're stepping out because he's providing light for every step and you just step and follow that path. Now, trust me, I'm not belittling the fact that that takes trust. What I'm saying is it's a whole different level when he says, step out and it's dark. Step out in faith and trust me before I illuminate the path at all. That's a tough place to be. That's a very, very tough place to be. 
But trust is taking a step without knowing the details. And this rich young ruler was all about trusting in himself. He was about trusting in what he could do to earn eternal life. He says to Jesus, what else is there? I've kept all the rules. But he still comes to Jesus because he knows something's missing. He knows something's missing in his life. And the truth is, you're here this morning, and you know that if there's something missing in your life, you know there's something missing. This is not vague. And Jesus meets him personally, cuts right to the heart of his issue. Just like Jesus, man. And he says, well, for you, you go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And this young ruler understands, man, if I do that, I can't trust in my things anymore. I I can't trust in what I can do and how I can earn this relationship with Jesus. So he goes away sad. Guys, we have to understand that God has a much better plan for our lives than we could ever imagine. Pastor Corey talked about it last week. He ended his sermon with Jeremiah 29, 11. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God spoke and he said, I, I know the ha- plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. I don't want to bring you a disastrous future. I've got great plans for you. And this guy couldn't trust that God's plan, he couldn't trust him enough to understand that maybe, just maybe, God has a better plan for his life than he could ever dream. So I know that you and I are going to be offered a personal invitation by Jesus. I know that he's offering that to you even now. And he's cutting to the heart of your issue even now as we speak. I also know that for you to make a decision to follow him, you're going to have to trust him. And it's a lifelong journey. It is a lifelong journey. Are we going to trust that Jesus is who he says he is and submit to a life of transformation? Or are we going to go back to what's familiar? The last person I want to look at is the same Peter that was mentioned in Matthew we read about earlier. He's one of the guys who was with Jesus. He's one of the guys who was called from the, uh, in, in the beginning of his ministry. I mean, Jesus, here's Peter in a boat. Jesus says, come follow me, and he does. The same, same Peter walked with Jesus. Three plus years he spent with him, following him, listening to him. He heard him speak. He saw him heal. Saw, he was there when he fed the 5,000. I mean, Jesus, Jesus did many miracles that Peter was there and, and witnessed to. He saw him calm the seas. Peter himself healed people in the name of Jesus. This same Peter we've been learning about through the book of Acts, who, who went with Paul on these, on these journeys. Peter was the one who spoke when 3,000 were saved in the church. The church grew by 3,000 in one day. But before that Peter, the Peter that we know now before him, After the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus goes looking for me, finds him on the seashore again. And they have a little encounter. It's found in John 21, 15 through 22. Let's read. When they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, him, "You, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. The second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved that he'd asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. I assure you when you were young, you would tie your belt and walk around wherever you wanted, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. So Peter turned around and saw the disciple Jesus loved following them. That disciple was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and asked, Lord, who is, this, who is, going, who is the one who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? If I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Man, Jesus cuts right to the point again, doesn't he? It's amazing that he does that. It's amazing how he does that. But he cuts right to the root of this personal invitation with Jesus. First of all, I find it so incredible that he's, that he's even going looking for Jesus again, or for, for Peter again, that Peter has walked away. He's gone back to what was familiar. Doubt has creeped in. Now he's questioning everything that's happened. But Jesus is so patient. He's so patient with Peter. And I find myself just like Peter at times. Even though I've seen God's hand, even though I've seen what he's done in my past, even though I've seen what God has done in my own life, I sometimes find myself going back to what was simple. Something goes wrong in our lives. God doesn't do something the same way we've always done it. We're having struggles and putting our faith or our trust in him. Maybe he's not going to finish the puzzle this time and we just go back to fishing. But God wants to transform us. Guys, God wants to, us to move forward in our relationship. This is about transformation. This is a relationship that lasts a lifetime and goes into eternity. He wants to, us to look and act more like his son, to act and react and respond more like Jesus. He wants to change us from the inside out. Peter starts to look around and says, what about him? Man, I get in trouble when I do that. I mean, instantly. When I, when I get in trouble, it, you with me? When I get in trouble, I'm looking immediately for somebody to deflect this to. Is there anybody else to blame? I mean, so before we throw Peter under the bus here, let's look at our own lives. And Jesus rebukes him a little bit. He's telling him, hey, don't make a comparison between the way I call you and I call somebody else. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah. You with me? Don't make a comparison between who you are and the way of relationship that I've called you into with me and somebody else. You hear me? Are you with me? Jesus is calling you and I specifically, and he's calling you and I personally. He's going to make a personal call. Listen, I'm not Corey. You're not Corey. We're not called to be anybody else that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be the best representation of Jesus that he has called us to be. Nobody else. But we can't bail on relationships when they, when they get tough. And Peter was ready to bail on this relationship. Peter, Peter was ready to just throw in the towel. It's ready to be over. And Jesus goes seeking him out. Romans 12 tells us to not conform anymore to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Why? Why? So that we might be able to discern God's pleasing, his good, perfect will in our lives. That's transformation. Jesus' brother James says, Consider it pure joy, my, my brothers, when, you're, 
when you have trials and temptations of many kinds. What? Pure joy? Why? That seems silly. So that it develops perseverance, he says. And perseverance has got to finish its work so that we are complete, not lacking anything. Man, that's what I want. I want completeness, not lacking anything. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel now. Maybe you're new here. This is your first time. Maybe you've been here since the beginning of the experience. My question, my questions this morning are this. What, what are you doing to grow in your faith? What are, you, what are you doing as far as a plan goes for transformation? Because this is a journey of transformation, becoming more like Jesus. My men's group and I are, are kind of going through this right now. We're, uh, we're putting together a plan to, to grow together because we, know, we, we realize, you know, to, to continue in this journey, we're going to need each other. We, we do. We need each other. And, and transformation happens best, I believe, in community. So we're putting together this, this plan, this Bible reading plan for each other in a way in which we, we can hold one another accountable because I don't want to be the same way a year from now as I am today. I don't want to be the same person. I don't want to be struggling with the same issues a year from now that I'm struggling with today. So, a little story. I, I, um, I used to be a basketball official. Um, and for 20 years, I officiated basketball. And, and every summer, we had to go um, in between seasons. We'd go to clinics and... And uh, if you wanted to move up and get better at your craft, you went to these clinics and, and um, we would have NCAA Division I officials give us critique and instruction and stuff. And so I had my crew there. Uh, we officiated this first half of basketball. And then after the first half, you meet with this clinician and they just rip into you, literally. I mean, they just, I mean, they tell you everything you did wrong and like none of the things you did right. So my crew and I, we finished officiating this first half and we go over to the clinician, and, and he starts ripping into us. Man, bad position there. What did you see? That that was a terrible call. This is and, and I have an older gentleman on my crew, older than me. And I can tell he's getting agitated. And this clinician just keeps going. He's just, man, he's just tearing us. And, and man, it finally, it, it's, he's had enough. The older guy's had enough. And he, and he finally says, look, man, you don't need to tell me how to do this. I've been officiating basketball for 25 years. And instantly the clinician said back to him, no, you've been officiating basketball for one year, 25 times. Do you see the difference? You guys, instantly I was transported from that basketball arena to my spiritual life and my journey with Jesus. I don't want to be the same place a year from now or 20 years from now that I am right now. I want to experience transformation in our lives. So many, so many of us have been following Jesus for a long time, but we don't have any significant transformation. We're still struggling with, with porn or this addiction or that or gossip or whatever we're struggling with. I mean, you know what you're struggling with. I don't have to tell you. But I can tell you that Jesus is offering you hope in the midst of a relationship with him. He may not ask you the same way he's asked me. 
He probably won't because it's gonna be a personal invitation. But I mean, whatever you're struggling with, whatever's going on in your life, Jesus is pointing it out right now and he's offering you help in the midst of relationship because he knows more what you need than you do. He knows more of what we need than we do and he has a better plan for our lives than we could ever even dream of. But that's just the beginning of our relationship. That he expects transformation. John 10.10 says, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, not just life, but he says, abundant life or life to the full. Guys, a, a journey with Jesus is not just about eternal life. Man, that's, that's a big part of it. And I'm looking forward to that. But God, God sent his son Jesus so we could have life now, amazing life here. And I fear so many of us, we just want to go back to fishing. I fear so many of us just miss it because we're unwilling to be at the point of surrender and say, okay, God, whatever you have, whatever you got, I trust you. God, I, you're not illuminating the path before me, but I trust you. You're not, I, I can't really see it right now, God, but I trust you. When we follow Jesus, he offers us the Holy Spirit. Man, he's never gonna ask you to do this on your own. He just will not do that. God empowers us to live a life that he's called us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we grow in Jesus, we start to act like him. We start to respond like him. What's your plan for transformation? What will you do differently now, starting right now? Listen, to not make a decision is to make a decision. Well, I'm not going to do it now. Well, you made a decision then. See, the problem this morning is that you've heard the truth. That's a problem because now it's up to you. You, you can't get out of, not, of making a decision today. You just can't. So what's your plan for transformation? What are you going to do differently starting right now, starting today, starting tonight, that's going to make a difference between where you are right now today and tomorrow or a year from now? or five years from now? What's your plan? Maybe, maybe you need to get more involved in community. Maybe you need a next class. Maybe you need a life group. Maybe you need a discipler. Hey, maybe you just need to meet with somebody one-on-one -on -one who's further along in the spiritual journey than you are. Maybe for you, it's like, I don't even know. Maybe you just need to read the Bible and pray every day. Here's what I do know. Without a plan, it's going to be really difficult. There's an old adage that says, people don't fail to plan, they plan. Is that right? People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. <laughs> Nobody plans to fail. So here's what I know. There, there are basically three kinds of people. Maybe today you're like the fisherman Jesus called. And like you've just immediately. You just stepped out and you're just following him. Things are going well for you. Maybe you've had the best week of your life or the best month or the best year. You're just in a really good spot right now. And your relationship with Jesus, man, it's just, it's just fantastic. And guys, praise God. That is incredible. I, I'm so excited for you. I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep growing. Keep moving forward. But I also know that some of you are probably stuck like the Samaritan woman 
you're trying to do things over and over and over the same way every time and you're expecting a different result and it's just not happening. You need to trust in Jesus and move toward a plan for spiritual transformation. I also know that there's a third person in this room, somebody who doesn't know anything about Jesus. Man, you've just been presented this for the very first time. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be open to starting a relationship with Jesus so that you're not like the rich young ruler and you walk away. Don't walk away. You're here. You're not here by accident. Trust me, you're not. God of the universe, the God of the universe, the creator God of all things is orchestrating history in your life right now. Is that crazy? For the moment right now that you are in. And he's meeting you in a specific place and offering you a specific and personal call to follow him. Don't walk away sad. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I, I just want to thank you for this opportunity, God, this morning to worship with the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for these people here today. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for these relationships and the way in which you call us, God, that you're so personal. And you get so specific and you point out the issue that that cuts to the heart of our issue, God. But you're so patient and you're so gracious and we thank you for that. Lord, I would pray that you would help us today if things are going well for us to just continue to do what we're doing, God, moving forward in our relationship. And Lord, if we're kind of like the Samaritan woman, would you help us to know, God, that we need to trust you. Your way is better than ours. God, if we're like the rich young ruler, don't let, us, don't let us go, God. Don't let us go. Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, look, there's communion all around this room, wherever you see a lamp. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, feel free to take that communion this morning. Um, take the time to, to reflect, remember, the sacrifice that Jesus made. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, there are people on my right and on my left. Please don't leave here if you need something prayed for. Let somebody pray for you. God bless you. Thanks so much.